Welcome to the KeysCast, the official podcast of Keesler Air Force Base. Each month or so, we'll bring you interesting interviews with people around Keesler about topics that are relevant to you. This month, Airman First Class Susanna Plotnikov has a one-on-one conversation with the 81st Training Wing's new commander, Colonel Deborah A. Lovett. Let's start with an easy question. Um, where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in a place called Kinston, North Carolina. And what kind of family did you come from? Like a big, small? So I came from um, a relatively small family. I have two older brothers, um, but both my parents came from large families of like eight siblings apiece. But there were just three of us. So when I was growing up, it was a smaller. How much older are they? One brother is only a couple of years older than me. And then I think 18 months, actually, more like. And then the other brother is probably more like nine years, 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big gap. Um, what made you join the Air Force? Part of the reason is because my father was uh, in the Air Force, and he retired from the Air Force. Actually, he retired before I was born. But nonetheless, we settled in an area that was maybe 30 minutes from an Air Force base. And so... Kinston, North Carolina is fairly close to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, which is in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And so he would take us to Seymour Johnson for the air shows. And then, of course, he would tell his stories from his time in the service. And so that was kind of what got me interested in joining the military because of his stories of traveling the world and meeting people from multiple countries and um, having friends literally all over the globe, which I thought was pretty interesting. He was enlisted. He retired as an E-7 Master Sergeant in the Air Force. And so he always told me that I needed to link up as soon as I got commissioned and went to my first base. His advice, and it was very sound advice, was to link up with a senior NCO in my career field that was there and kind of learn from them because they had already been doing the job for maybe, I don't know, 20 years by that time. And, uh, and just learn from them some of the basics. And so that's what I did, which was probably some of the best advice that I'd ever gotten. Uh, what made you uh, want to commission rather than uh, go the enlisted route? So I was going to go to college right out of high school anyway. So I had a couple of different plans. And the first plan was to get into the Air Force Academy and get the education, but then do the immediate follow-on into the military right at graduation, which was kind of the ideal case. But if I had to do a fallback plan, it would have been to go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, of course, because I'm a Tar Heel fan. And also they have great school there and look at doing something in journalism, actually, because they have a fantastic journalism school. But option A happened, and since that was essentially a scholarship because I didn't have to pay for school. I just went to the Air Force Academy and then they started us into that program and you graduate with a job at the end of the four years in the military. That was kind of the ideal so that's what I that's what I ended up doing. After 23 years of service what makes you want to continue serving your country? Yeah that's a great question and it's one I like to ask people too. It actually changed for me probably after maybe 15 years in the military um, when I realized that the, the people in the military were actually like family to me and they worked in different ways to support various challenges that I had 
in front of me, like um, a period of time where I needed to be near my family to support them as they're going through some really severe medical hardships. Things just worked out because of the people that I knew in the military to put me in the right place where I could support them and stay serving my country in the military. At that point in time, I didn't realize the shift until a little bit later, but my feeling about the military shifted a little bit to where I felt that I had um, an obligation to kind of pay that back in a way that I hadn't felt before. So now what I want to do in the military is it's really about providing opportunity and support for other people the way that it was provided for me when I needed it at the most critical time in my family's history. And so uh, that's what kind of drives me a little bit, is that need to put things in place, whether it's policies or whether it's actually a program or whether it's connecting people or connecting services, any of those kind of things, that is kind of where my heart is at this point. Do you play any sports or have any hobbies? I do, although uh, I wouldn't consider myself the most graceful person or the kind of person that has great hand-eye coordination. So it's not a sport that involves a ball that moves <laughs> toward me and I'm trying to hit it. Like softball, I'm terrible at that. But golf, where the ball sits still, I can do that. And, uh, and running, which is kind of, you can do that as a solo activity also. And then um, cycling. I enjoy cycling as well. So all of those, and I'm trying to do more of those as the weather gets a little bit nicer, but those are kind of my things. I heard that you recently did a golf tournament. How did that go? I did. It went really well. Um, it was right here at Keesler. I was doing pretty well up until I actually told somebody how well I was doing, and then it just tanked. I went, I went off a cliff. I shot an 85 and ended up just spending the day with some wonderful people at, at the club here. And so they had a pretty good tournament, a very nice setup, and I think probably generated a little bit more interest in people coming out and using the golf course because it was in great shape. Have you traveled around the Gulf Coast yet? So my first assignment was actually Herbert Field, which is right down the road um, along the Gulf Coast. And so uh, that was a four-year assignment. So I got out and about a little bit there. So I went to New Orleans at that time. I even came over here because this was my technical training um, school in 1995. And so, um, so New Orleans and here a little bit in Pensacola and then Fort Walton Beach. So those are the areas that I've kind of been to. But I feel like there's a little bit more to explore here on the Gulf Coast. Um, what is your favorite place so far? Out of all my assignments? No, like uh, around. Oh, around the Gulf Coast? Oh, my goodness. Hmm. So I think I kind of like the Navarre Beach area. But, but again, I haven't seen that much around here. I haven't even been to Ship Island yet. So, and I've heard that's very similar to the... To the Florida beaches. How did you feel when you found out you would take command at Keesler? Oh, I was pretty excited. Um, so my, uh, my previous boss at Air Force Global Strike Command um, had been here before because he was the AETC commander before he was the Air Force Global Strike Commander. And so he had visited here before. So when he told me about where I was getting assigned he just told me all about the base, and I remember it from technical training, although it was a little bit different because it was pre-Katrina at the time, 
And now post-Katrina, it's even more beautiful. It has newer buildings, newer structures. You know, it just has more to offer. Um, but he was so excited about it. So I was thrilled. I was thrilled. Plus, I'd already been here and kind of knew the area. And, uh, and my mom was excited, too, because she had been here before, too. What are your priorities for the wing? So there are currently six um, priorities for the wing. But the ones that, um, and we're going to talk about that at the upcoming offsite tomorrow and the next day, uh, about whether we need to tweak those a little bit. But obviously, they're kind of bedrocks to what we provide um, for our population here. They involve caring, fundamentally caring for the people that we have here, the population, including um, not just the active duty population, but there's a large retiree population and veteran population and civilian population that we support here. Um, so that's one of the critical priorities is caring for these for these people and that medical care is another one of those priorities. So it kind of links in with that first one. Um, obviously training um, our, our airmen in their Air Force specialty codes, their AFSCs, what they're going to be doing in the Air Force is the primary mission of this wing is to take them from whatever basic training or commissioning source that they're coming from and give them a basic understanding of what they're going to be doing for us the air force what the air force needs them to be doing when they get to their operational location and so that's kind of a big deal um in addition to just training them on their afsc there's a little bit of air force culture that they start to learn here at the technical training wing and so that's a big part of it um, and it kind of ties to developing the people that we have here, which is another one of the priorities, not just those airmen that are coming from basic training or commissioning sources, but our permanent party people as well. Because whether or not they're active duty, whether or not they're civilian, um, they still need to learn and grow and develop, even if they're not going to move. Like if a civilian is here for their entire civilian career, there's still avenues for growth and development for those individuals. That's important to us so that everybody can reach their potential. Those are kind of the things. And then, of course, sustaining um, this institution, this whole base, and the, the mission partners that we have requires a lot of concerted effort. Um, so that's that's got to remain a priority. Plus, um, this local community is beyond the relationship that we have with them is beyond anything that I've ever seen. And so we want to make sure that we integrate with them as much as we can so that, um, so that they feel a part of us at Keesler, like they make us feel a part of their community here in Biloxi. And so um, the more we can teach them, the more we can expose them, and the more we can share with them, the more empowered they're going to be as they go out and talk about what Keesler brings to the community, which is awesome. So that's another priority. But we are going to talk about these um, the next couple of days to see if maybe we can refine them a little bit um, and make them a little more succinct for what we want to do. And so you might, you might find that those will change a little bit after the next couple of days. So we'll see. Fundamentally, though, it's the people and it's the mission that we have here in the wing um, and, the, and the relationships that we're building with the local community. So With a few months under your belt here, how do you feel the 81st Training Wing Airmen are performing? So only with four and a half or five, almost five months now in the seat, I can say it's pretty impressive. Um, it's remarkable. This wing was humming 
uh, when I arrived in June, just a few months ago. And it seems like the more that I get to know what's happening in this wing, the more in awe I am of what our airmen are capable of doing. It's kind of incredible to, to watch. Um, and I know it's not just happening here. I know it happens in other places like Puerto Rico or um, all around the globe where we deploy our airmen from here. Um, it happens at, at the podium every day. It happens with the MTLs interacting with the airmen f- right off the bus from basic training. Um, it happens everywhere on this base, and it's just incredible to watch. So I'm pretty impressed. And so I'm excited about um, maybe the, the direction we can take it next because now it's about innovation. It's about creativity. It's about taking the lead in all of technical training in ways that um, – that haven't been done before. And so I know that creativity is here in this wing. I've already seen evidence of that kind of innovation and excitement. And uh, luckily, our leadership right now in 2nd Air Force and at AETC, they are extremely supportive of trying new ways of doing things, which is great for us because in in the training environment, it's really easy to kind of get into a rigid mindset and a deliberate pattern of behavior and kind of get stuck. And a lot of our folks have already recognized that there's better ways to do things and they're starting to kind of turn it, um, to shape it towards, you know, the new learner, how we're doing things, take advantage of technology to kind of get the most optimal learning experience that you can for our airmen. And so it's kind of fun to watch, but we have support from our leadership team and AETC as well to do these things, which means that we'll get support in the way of resources and people and, of course, their advocacy, which they're already doing for us. So that's kind of a good benefit, but I'm excited about that. What are your future plans for Keesler? So that's one of them. The, um, the innovation side of the house, I think Keesler is probably on the leading edge of that in the training environment. Um, right now, I know we're on the cutting edge with faculty development because when you teach classes in a different kind of way using multiple modalities, if you're using it online, if you're trying to do some DCS work, if you're doing it from you know some other part of the globe and trying to teach someone over here in Japan or in Europe... Um, It requires slightly different skills, and uh, sometimes the material requires a slightly different understanding of how to deliver it. And so um, I think our folks here in our TRIS, the 81st TRIS, um, the faculty development folks, kind of have a line on where we need to go with teaching the faculty how to teach in this new way using all of these different things. And so I'm hoping that the rest of Second Air Force and perhaps even AATC will kind of follow our lead on how we're developing our faculty to do that. Um, So I'm kind of interested in seeing that kind of take off and lead the way. In fact, um, we're, we're becoming the center of excellence for online learning, basically, here in our very own house. And that, to me, is very exciting. It's just the the it's just the start because there's a lot more to come we have many courses um to kind of look at the evolution of um, how we're going to teach and what we're going to teach and when we're going to teach it and and uh we're just super excited about that so that kind of innovation is fantastic i'm also looking forward to greater partnership with the local community in ways that maybe the air force hasn't really done this before um using the p4 program so a lot of these partnerships that we have, um, we can optimize, we can do more with. 
And so there's things that maybe we can offer from the base perspective to the local community that they can't get, and then maybe vice versa. They have things that maybe we can do. And that's all in an effort to become more efficient and kind of um, integrate ourselves a little bit better with the community. I mean, it is going to take some policy change. It is going to take a little bit of work. But again, we have support from Second Air Force and AETC to do this. And so I'm excited about how we can kind of embed ourselves a little bit more into the community and, um, and move ahead with all of this. Are you proud of how the 81st Training Airmen are performing so far? I am. I am extremely proud. Um, so I get to chat with the new airmen that come in from basic training every Tuesday. And it is exciting to see them when they first arrive and then when they're starting to graduate from their classes and head off into their operational locations. There's a lot of growth that happens there, and it's exciting to watch. But I know that's fundamentally because of the quality of instructors that we have, the quality of the MTLs we have, and the program that we have here for them. And I feel confident when we send them to the field that they're ready to go, which is tremendous. Do you have any examples of airmen or units who have exceeded expectations? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll mention the TRIS again um, because they have already taken off in their Center of Excellence for Online Learning. They've been doing this for probably about a year, and, uh, and this occurred. This online learning drive came from them recognizing the need for a new learning style, a new teaching style that would go along with that learning style, and then just taking the bull by the horns and saying, we're going to make this happen. So they went out to industry and found the cutting-edge um, faculty development for online learning, and they brought all those aspects in, and they started sharing it with the Air Force Academy. They started sharing it with Air University. They started sharing it with other technical training bases, um, and, as, and even um, Troy State University came to one of our classes, and they said this is probably, this is the best online learning class for faculty that they've ever seen. So it's just stuff like that that's pretty amazing. Um, in the medical community, there's the, I mean, we have education over there as well. Um, as we have residencies here, we have robotic surgery, groundbreaking robotic surgery, and groundbreaking um, expertise in placing um, pacemakers, leadless pacemakers, the smallest, tiny little rice-sized pacemakers that people can use. Um, just groundbreaking technology that they're using over there as well, and they're teaching it as, um, as they're using it. And so in addition to all of that, they're partnering with the local medical centers and the, and the Veterans um, Administration right outside the gate um, to make sure that they're optimizing all their resources and teaching as many people as they can on all these groundbreaking things. But there's so many, there's countless, countless examples of unbelievable proactivity and unbelievable innovation and energy and excitement from the people in the wing. Um, the, professional, the Professional Development Center, um, I, I hope you get some time over there in some of their classes because those are fundamentally, they're geared towards many different populations on Keesler. So it can be all the way from active duty to civilian, um, junior enlisted to mid-level to senior. It's all, 
all manner of our people can go and find something useful at the professional development courses that we offer here. And Senior Master Sergeant Patterson and her folks are just tremendous at finding out what the need is and then figuring out a way to meet the need. And that seems to be the pattern that I see in every organization here on Keesler. So it's kind of incredible. Yeah, I love the um, monthly stuff that they put out. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. How do you see the 81st Training Wing mission nesting under the Air Force mission? I would say it's probably one of the most important ones. And I don't know that it gets the recognition that it should, because without us, the airmen would be showing up blank slates at their new base and not have any idea what they're supposed to be doing. And as you know, and you'll hear from um, those bases out there, the permanent bases that they go to, they don't have... They don't have the time or the energy or the capacity to take someone from zero to three level on their watch. They have to have something to work with. And so it's critical that we get them in, we get them integrated. We kind of sort of transition them from the basic training mindset of being told what to do all the time to sort of starting to think on their own and critically about what they do for the Air Force. So I think this is a this is a must-have essential stop for an airman um, as they're going out to meet requirements that commanders have in the field. How do you plan on tying families into the WINGS mission? So this is pretty important. I love having the, uh, the families show up for newcomers uh, because sometimes they don't know what a training wing means. And so you can kind of start describing to them what they're going to see, like when they see marching formations down the street, what that means and who those people are and what they're here for. And so it's kind of exciting to share with them. This is the, this is a starting point for so many careers right here at this base. And so um, hopefully we'll get more folks kind of interested in coming to hear about that. But as many family programs as we can get, because as we all know, if um, – if the families kind of understand what the wing does and understand the flow of what happens, it's just easier for them to kind of understand if there's stresses on their active duty member or if there's a, a surge in activity, then they can kind of understand why. It's just kind of easier to integrate them into the mission that way and then enables the active duty military person to kind of more easily explain what it is that we do and why, um, why there is maybe a surge or extra activity or something like that. But we do love our force support squadron. They have so many family activities planned. They're great. We just had one, Ghouls in the Park, which was phenomenal with the Haunted House and with the Youth Center and the CDC bringing out the Haunted Bus um, and the Trunk or Treat. It was pretty amazing to watch all the kids out there having a good time. But it is important to us because it's important that our military members and their families feel like a part of the community because we're all one family. How do you plan on strengthening the bond between the 81st training wing and the tenant units on base? That's a great question. So one of the things that we do is we, we don't call them tenants. Um, we call them mission partners. Uh, because we don't want them to feel like they're just renting space and uh, and are less than on this base. Obviously, we have some phenomenal mission partners like the 403rd and the flight line. Without them, I mean, it's it's super important to have them here. The Hurricane Hunters and the Jennies that are in the 403rd are critical to us. And they're also um, vital 
a vital part of the community. And the community will fight tooth and nail to keep them here. So we love having them here. Um, the other parts, the 85th EIS um, Engineering Installation Squadron that we have here, um, they're tremendous. They have a very high deployment rate um, from that squadron, so we support them the best we can. Um, but obviously they, um, they are well integrated into our base, and sometimes they use even their training projects um, to help us with our infrastructure and sustaining the base um, kind of concerns. Um, we have our boss here, the second Air Force, the numbered Air Force. That's important to us, too, because um, they what they do for us, we get to have them here with us personally so we can show them the things that we might need help with a little bit easier than some of the other bases in second Air Force, which would have to ask them to come out and, and see them. So we're very lucky in that respect to have them here. And then, of course, the NCOA is a phenomenal asset to have on the base. Um, Chief Deese and his staff of professionals bring people from literally all over the country to come here to do NCOA and uh, and they participate equally with the rest of us when we're doing things so um, we do try to include them in pretty much everything we do. How important is the support from the local community here on the Gulf Coast? I would say it is absolutely critical and we're lucky to have such a supportive community. Um, the investment that they've made in us and in this installation and in fighting for um, missions that we have here, fighting for infrastructure projects that we need here, um, they have been unbelievable. And so I, I don't know that we could sustain ourselves without their, without their support. So it's pretty incredible. What do you hope to accomplish by the time you leave Keesler? Hmm, so many things. I suppose um, maybe one of the biggest is just to enable the people in the wing um, to kind of reach outside their comfort zone towards something that will move us ahead. And examples would be anything that involve changing policy or innovating our processes or trying to do things differently or partnering in different ways with the local community um, and then fighting and attacking some of the policies that might be impediments to doing that. So hopefully we'll see a couple of those um, impediments move out of the way so we can actually make groundbreaking progress. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping because the more of that you can do, the more you will want to do it. So um, I'm kind of excited about just starting that path. Keesler has a history of resiliency, especially following Katrina. How have you seen that culture embodied in the airmen and the squadrons here? Mm. So I would say, and this might not be completely unique to Keesler Airmen, but the amount of churn and change that the Air Force has undergone in the last decade is is kind of unbelievable. It makes change like death and taxes, like it's going to happen. So um, the way that our folks have just kind of rolled with each change, no matter how short notice it is, and still maintained, you know, producing the airmen and sending them out to meet their operational requirements, um, meeting the patient demand that they have at the hospital, being outside at the gate, you know, checking 
monitoring, making sure everybody's doing things safely. I mean, it's just so many things um, that could have deterred them from focusing on that. And it hasn't. It's only made them, they just roll with it and they take whatever it is and they, and they make the best out of it. Um, that's true resilience for sure. Um, and so that I, that's a tribute to the kind of people that we have here at Keesler as well. What is your favorite part of being at Keesler? So I love the Gulf Coast. So that geography is kind of a good thing for me. Um, not so much the humidity in the summer, but th this weather right here is actually phenomenal. Um, the community is fabulous, but I have to say it's the, it's the people that I get to work with on a daily basis um, and the opportunity that I get to um, get to know them and see what they do for a living and how passionate they are about it and then watch their creativity and then be in a position to enable that to make it happen for them is, um, is probably the most wonderful things ever. So absolutely love it here. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Great questions. Um, hopefully we'll talk again um, and I'll have, you know, more to offer in the way of any changes that we might make to some of the priorities and then new and exciting things to share with you about some of the classes like the cyber courses that we have here, which are kind of, you know, we are the only place in the Air Force that has those. We have lots of exciting things happening in cyber. So hopefully I'll have more to tell you about that in um, maybe the spring. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you.